Mark and Sarah talk about songs. Talk about songs. Talk about songs. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 21, lucky 21 of Mark and Sarah talk about songs. I'm Sarah D. Bunting, and here with me is my co-host, Mark Lankinship. 21, we're legal now. Oh, I know. Oh my gosh. Well, all right. Nobody alert the. Um, ATF. I, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Uh, so we have a really special theme week jumbo Rio-tastic episode for you guys. Before we do that, I just wanted to say a quick thank you to podcast listener Eric Stoyer, who sent me and Mark some loot from his uh, store, which you can find at weirdoweapons.bigcartel.com. That's weirdoweapons.bigcartel.com. We got some awesome Mad Men pins. We got some like podcast uh, pins in the metal font. You could get yourself a Claire's Hearse pin. Uh, this is not a paid endorsement or anything like that. We just really appreciated getting some cool stuff. And I'm totally replacing my Mr. Matt pin on my messenger bag with my podcast metal pin. Eric, thank you so much. Guys, you should totally check out the store. It's really fun. You can buy some great gifts there. I'm just saying. Okay, speaking of gold metal properties, Mark, <laughs> can you talk a little bit about our theme this week? Yes, although I do want to just quickly add that the Weirdo Weapons, uh, 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 st- what am I saying? The stuff that they sell? Merchandise? Oh, God. <laughs> I just, I have the, a page up. The nouns? Oh, the, yes. the merchandise is really awesome because it's very small and subtle, so it's the kind of thing that you have to really pay attention to it to get how funny and awesome it is, and that's my take. So, thanks again. Everyone go check it out. Yes, indeed. Okay. So, yes, today's theme was suggested by my brilliant co-host, and it is in conjunction with this being the midst of the Rio Olympic Games, we are going to consider five songs that were released in conjunction with Olympic Games... Or are highly associated with them. The yes. first one is really more of a like cultural yes. memory thing. But anyway. But five songs that have deep ties to previous Olympic Games. And we are going to award them points at the end of our consideration. And the three highest point getters will receive bronze, silver, and gold medals. Which will be sent by the invisible metallurgists to these people. They'll be getting invisible medals and wear them with invisible pride, I'm sure. Yes, um, possibly in the great beyond. Uh, So without further ado, um, the Italian judge will introduce us to our entry from the 1976 Centennial Olympiad, which of course was Nadia's theme. I really learned a lot about Nadia's theme uh, in the lead up to this. Um, (laughs) It was also the Young and the Restless theme, and Here's what I didn't know. Didn't you think of The Young and the Restless as like one of these super old school soaps that was from like the Kennedy presidency? Or earlier, like possibly like the Coolidge presidency on the radio only. All right. It's old. All right. It's four days younger than I am. Whoa. I showed up on a Thursday, which should tell you a lot. And then the next Monday, Young and the Restless. Oh, shoot. Um, There are no accidents. And then, apparently, this was also written for, like, originally for some movie in 71 called Bless the Beasts and the Children. And it was originally titled Cotton's Dream. Yeah. Which I don't know if that's actually talking about a character named Cotton, or if Cotton itself is a sentient being in this film, 
or if it was somehow the precursor to the fabric of our lives campaign, and these are the dreams that you have when you're swaddled in cotton. Or you're hoping to become like, well, maybe I'll be a towel when Ooh, I that's right. when oh, I grow cotton, up. Right, cotton dreams of becoming a towel that is then wrapped around Aaron Neville. Right. Oh my God. Yes, absolutely. Um, that's a it's a big towel. <clears throat> <laughs> anyway, I I mean. Mark, I think you're maybe a little young to have been as saturated with this song as I was as a, you know, three to seven-year-old. But I feel like this, first of all, this was a piano recital constant of my childhood. It was on the radio. Like, I think it was a charting hit. It reached the top ten, in fact. And, but here's the thing. Nadia did not perform to this song. Nope. This was an ABC montage that they put together uh, with this song, who knows who picked it out, but it's typical of like ABC or like just TV's maudlin Olympics packages. <laughs> um, so Nadia never performed to it, but this has been, uh, an earwig in the brain of the entire culture ever since. Let's listen to a short clip. the Henry Mancini version uh this is sort of how we backed into this um backed into this uh theme I had suggested initially that we talk about Moon River and I'm not saying we won't talk about that no and we we may we may have to go head-to-head um versions of Moon River but then for some reason, this song was in the rail, and then I clicked on that, and then it just led down to this, like, whatever YouTube rabbit hole that brought me to Will Smith. We'll get back to him. Mark Blankenship, the German judge for the uh, Mass Test Olympics, yeah. what say you about uh, Nadia's theme? Well, here's something. Ich denke, that means I think in German, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, talking about the the cultural permanence of this particular snippet of music, I mostly think of it as the sample for Mary J. Blige's um, No More Drama, because that is, this, that opening piano part is the entire sample that that song is built around. And Mary J. Blige, in the beginning of No More Drama, actually says something about, I was feeling stressed, I was young and restless, and it's like, it's like a, uh, it's, it's, it's a palimpsest at that point. Mm-hmm. You've got the thing and the memory of the thing like lapped on, uh, stacked on top of each other, and then somewhere deep underneath, you've got Cotton's dream as as the as the bottom of the palimpsest. Anyway, so for me, this, but I do remember actually this song being connected to Nadia Comaneci because when I was watching the '84 Olympics as a kid, they would sometimes show clips of Nadia Comaneci when they were also talking about Mary Lou Retton. 
Sure. So I can remember it being there. And then my babysitter when I was a little boy, Martha McKechnie, who I'm almost certain is not listening now, but hey, Martha, she used to watch The Young and the Restless as well as General Hospital. So I also knew Christopher Cross's Think of Laura, mm-hmm. the other big soap opera hit of the sure. time. Until Jack Wagner came along, that is, hey, Linda Holmes. Well, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Hey, girl. Oh my gosh, you're right. That's like the trifecta of, of early 80s soap opera hits. Mm-hmm. Because 90s theme hit number eight, uh, think of Laurie at number nine, and then All I Need by Jack Wagner at number two. So, oh, wow. I didn't know it got the high. Yeah. And then Gloria Loring, who is Robin Thicke's mother, wasn't she on a soap opera? She had a song called Friends and Lovers that hit number two as well. I think she was on General Hospital. Yeah. So it was like, if you're in the 80s and you're on a soap, that's a whole other story. Well, and John Stamos, who played a rocker, quote right. unquote. Right. And Rick Springfield was a rocker mm-hmm. on General Hospital. Dr. Nick. And he had mm-hmm. actual legitimate hits. Yeah, he did. But that's not, that's not what we're here to discuss today. Point mm-hmm. being, some other time, though, trust Nadia's us. theme exists, or Cotton's Dream, or the or No More Drama. They just it, it exists so fully in the ether of the world that I almost feel like there was never a time when I didn't know it. Right. And it's hard for me to think of this song almost in, as being a song now. I'm so used to it that yeah. I have to actually force myself to hear it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. There is this, it brings me back to this place. I think this was a time, and you sort of get this sense from the movie uh, Nashville, in my opinion. And I'm not going to do a good job explaining this, but I think there was a period of time in the early to mid-70s, sort of as Watergate was happening and then ending in 76 or like 75, where there was still this like hangover, ghost in the machine, whatever you want to call it, palimpsest would be a good term, of this like innocent, howdy-doody, Lawrence Welk family hour variety show influence or over or like reach into the average American's life that instrumentals being in the top 10 mm-hmm. reflected that like whatever 1910 bubblegum company or whatever the hell they were called yes. like this very old like roll out the barrel but put a disco beat on <laughs> it like that there was this weird like hangover is not the right word but it was like the last gasp of that early 60s i don't know like camelot era idea of entertainment that there were still many, many people who responded to slash clung to that. And this song sort of puts me back in that era where there are two, like two very different American cultures happening. There's disco and drugs and disillusionment. And then there's this maybe denial bill version a, with like yeah. hay bales on a soundstage. Do you, is that making any sense I, to you? So this is how I'm hearing what you're saying. It, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like what, how I hear that is, there was something about the last gasp of Americans believing that a love for and knowledge of quote-unquote high culture was somehow essential to understanding who Americans were because we were the type of people or the type of country that would love high culture, as it were. Like, in the early 60s, you've got, like, Lawrence Welk, for instance, is another one. It's just that idea of, like, not even maybe high culture, but, like, Civil, well, yes, though, but like wholesome, the, whole, radio wholesome hour, and civilized, and like with poetry. The original meaning of the rate of the rating G. Yeah, it, or, and to General me too, what I think about that also is like when poetry always had uh, a long uh, entry in Time magazine, or when Robert Frost would be a, a talk show guest, or like 
Just something about yeah, like kind of like the, the like wearing your best clothes to Sears. Like there's just something about like refine like um like a, a spit and polish, like a careful refinement that this type of thing makes me think of. Or well, no, not exactly. Okay. It's more that this and just Henry Mancini in general, I think, like Moon River sort of speaks more to this because the more famous version, according to my esteemed husband, is the Andy Williams oh, version yeah. because it was his theme. Or I never Judy heard Garland of, also had a great version. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's hard to do a bad version of that song because it's Moon River and it's great. Uh, we'll get back to it. There was this, like, between movie westerns on TV, very general, like, family hour variety mm. shows, like, that idea of American culture, which was neither lowbrow nor highbrow nor aspiring, but was, like, much more general and innocent and did not need or want any edge or cynicism. Sure, okay. Versus the birth of Saturday Night Live, which was happening at the same time. Like, this song makes me think of the end of that, like, corn pone as a critical component of your primetime life. Right. And I'd say corn pone, it sounds shade. It's not shade. I'm just right. saying that was a bit like Green Acres. Like, right. this was Lassie. sort of the end of that, yes. I'm, okay, yes. And I, I could be full of shit. I wasn't even an egg at the time. I don't know, but, and like, you know... But I think in one, I think in a way, maybe though we're taking two different ultimate definitions, we are trying to both get at the same thing. Yeah, like, I mean, what you said, I don't disagree with. I was but just I, saying, I think, but I think yeah. that you're right too. I think that I think it is both of those things. It's like some sort of quest for elegance, but also a quest for edgelessness. Yeah, and I don't think that I don't think I can even necessarily ascribe any of this to the song. I'm just saying that's where I, that's where it takes me. But you know, whether around this time. Also, there was a number one hit called A Fifth of Beethoven, which was Beethoven oh set to a disco. Oh, movie. yeah. No, so it's I think great. that just further underlines your point. Mm -hmm. So, interestingly, this has not really kept us on the Olympics track, but perhaps that will come into consideration when we do our judging later. That was my German judge voice. Oh, are we, uh, are we not judging as we go along? Oh, I thought we were going to do it all at the end. Oh, I no, we'll, we'll tabulate the scores at the oh, end. Oh, okay, okay. But perhaps the German judge would like to tell me what... Uh, yeah, here we go. On a scale of uh, 1 to 5, for, we are giving 1 point for lowest and 5 points for highest. I will give Nadia's theme... We're just going to drop that now. Um, Nadia's theme to me, because it is so multifaceted in its cultural significance to me, only because of that must I give it one point. I actually really like this piece of music, but as an Olympic-related theme, I must give it one point. Oh, I see. Um, the Italian judge is not even going to attempt an Italian accent, uh, but we'll give it two points. Bye! Achtung! Um, moving on to 1988. That oh. was Seoul, I believe. Uh, we are about to share one moment in time while discussing Whitney Houston's One, one moment, moment in Time. time. Uh, previous guest, Joe Reed. This, this is for, for you. you. <laughs>
Okay, I've just paused the video and my man Greg Luganis is like bawling. It gets me every fucking oh. to every time, every time. This is a flawless machine, this song. Yeah. Mark, tell I, us more. I, I, while this song was playing, there is a small sink to my right, and Sarah can attest. I turned on the sink, wetted my hand, and then flung the water into the air at a, at a key moment because mm -hmm. this song demands it. It is drama, it is life, it is living, loving, feeling. It is feeling. milk on the snare drum. Mm. Okay, so just on the most basic level, this song is so over the top and yet so wonderful because the melody is really pretty and Whitney Houston destroys the vocal. Like yeah. She comes in and she says, oh, you like notes? I like to burn notes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, you like you like you like belting. I like to kill belting. Oh, you like key changes. I got seven, baby. Mm -hmm. So I just I just think that this is such a beautiful example of her voice, and the song is so shamelessly not shamelessly though, because the song is so sincerely triumphant. That's what I love about it. It yeah. is so sincerely trying to inspire, and to me, this actually epitomizes the Olympics in some way. Like, I cannot hear this song without imagining, like, slow motion shots of gymnasts flipping through the sky. and Like the U.S. baseball team, like, just forming this giant celebrate mid yes. on the pitching mound. And, like, even when it's not the right Olympics, like, I think of Carrie Strug, or I think of the when the, the American hockey team Marathon won. Like, ice. The, yeah, all totally. Olympics, it doesn't matter what year, what season. I just feel like, to me, too, every song that has come after it in terms of Olympic anthems has tried to be one moment in time to one degree or another because I feel like there's just something perfect about all of the pieces coming together because the song, the structure of the song, it, it swells so beautifully and her voice is able to swell so mm -hmm. beautifully with it that you do feel the crescendo of achievement. Yeah. And what better sonic metaphor for the narrative we want to construct for Olympic athletes, right? Yeah. We want to feel like they go, they reach, they reach, and then they leap for the big note, as it were, and they hit it yeah. every time. And, you know, and I feel like that the template here, too, was created for all Olympic themes must have a video that includes snippets of athletes. One of the ones that we hear later, actually, has two music videos, one that's just the performer and another that's just athletes. Because at this point, they're like, we don't even want to see you. Just show me Simone Biles or whatever. Mm -hmm. So for me, this song is the Olympics, but also a song that I love to listen to just on its own. And the reason we brought up Joe earlier is because I know for a fact, because when we lived together, we discussed it, that Joe has an especial fond, a special fondness for this fine track. And I think that he's correct. And so do I. Sarah. Um, I don't think I can name a more flawless marriage of content and delivery system. And there is something about Whitney herself, um, contemporary with this song, like leaving it out, everything that started right. to like. Let's not worry about what came after today. There is something about the Olympics that, especially growing up as we did during the, you know, death throes of the Cold War and having a couple of Olympics skipped and being super bummed out about that, especially in 1980. I was really looking forward to watching Ty Babylonia skate because she was named Ty fucking Babylonia. That there's something about the Olympics that has a like justice in it. It's sort of why we as human beings often look to sport to like have this overarching narrative of justice and um, rewarded effort. Mm -hmm. And 
but also to acknowledge these great talents that stand head and shoulders literally on a podium above their peers. Mm -hmm. So you have two things. There's like, yeah, you can have underdog triumphs and great stories and like, you know, justice and, you know, whatever other war metaphors or symbolism you'd like to throw in there. But you also have acknowledged superiority coming to Colette. <laughs> and Whitney manages to do both of those things. Like, this is a person who, if, like, singing were an Olympic event, she would win in every possible, like, she'd win a marathon. She'd win the hurdles. She'd win the pentathlon. She would be the only person in the 500-meter relay, and she would still win. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, I'm just gonna, my nails are so long, I'm just gonna hand off to myself. And she sounds... Like, there's not a whole lot of production on it, and she just sounds like really like she's watching the video at the same time as she's singing mm -hmm. and getting excited. Like, this is the like nay plus ultra of this genre. The Italian judge is giving this the full five fucking points. Uh, so is the German judge. That is then sane points. That's ten points for Ms. Houston. So I think now we are just fighting for silver and bronze, but let's There's do that. There's still a fight to be had, though. With the help of previous Mastass topic, Will Smith, who I thought did this joint as a solo thing, and based on the way he's capering around shirtlessly in the video, it did seem like he was trying to declare his independence from DJ Jazzy Jeff, but Mark tells me... It was, at the time, credited to DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, and it is called Fire Baby. And um, I don't think this was an Olympic anthem for Team USA. I think this was only for the much-vaunted... This was the original Dream Team, people, was USA Basketball in 92. Yeah. And um, we're going to get some unsubscribes after this, but I still would, Christian Leitner. What? What? Oh, Get set now, go a worldwide show. Now here's the intro. The torch is lit. Now the gun is pointed. Prepare for the world's best to be anointed. On the field of dreams, hopes, and passion. Some will manifest while some get smashed. And smell wings. Now who's the best team? They go the gun. Now run out the blocks. Now who's the perpetrators? Time to sit through to the real gladiators. Your soul's possessed by Hercules. Barcelona's now ancient Rome, and there ain't no stopping, no turning back, no giving up, and no cutting slack. The spirit of Super problematic, like, urban shootout, ancient Roman shit going on in the lyrics. Not sure that would fly today. Um, here's how I can speak with such authority to these lyrics. I still knew every single one of them. I could write them all down for you, <laughs> like, while drunk. I don't know what it is about this break. Like, it's trying way too hard. If you don't care about basketball, it seemed like it was a little much, but, like, the Barcelona Olympics were a weird thing. Like, we, um, my Princeton mates and I knew a guy, like, we were friends with him, but not, like, super close, who was uh, swimming for gold, and he got it, and it wow. was an unbelievably screamy, exciting moment in my living room that I was like, I know that guy, that guy, that Speedo. My dad's like, everyone is in a Speedo, which guy? Huh. Nelson! Um... But then at the same time, this 
this video or some iteration of this song, I don't actually recall it hearing on the radio that much, but I know it was all over MTV that summer. I like, I think taped it off the TV. I mean, I don't know what it is. I'm really into this break. I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying it owned me and it still might. You know what? That's your truth. I'm sorry, there's a naked child right outside our uh, recording headquarters. Hey, and you never know what's going to come down. Yeah, it just grabbed a plant and now it's taken off. Good luck, Jane. Um, sorry. So, for me, I, despite watching a lot of MTV in 92, had never heard this before until you brought it to my attention. This might have been in some, one of those like high cable access things. That, like, yeah, and, well, and I did learn, because I, I also had the album, I don't know if you remember it, called Barcelona Gold. Which, um, yeah, I ended up having to break down and buy that shit because, on CD. Yeah. Yes. But I just, this song wasn't on it, so that's another reason I didn't know it. And then my research today indicates that it was only available through some sort of Coca-Cola promotion that you would get this song and two other songs on a CD. Really? But then the video was on MTV. Like, I'm not saying you were wrong. Obviously, I just don't remember. Yeah, but that's, well, I, I mean, think... it's literally half a lifetime ago. Who knows but what actually went on? There's actually very little information about this song on the internet, though. So all of this is... I am suspect. very impressed that you... I had this in my notes as Dream Team USA song, because I was like, did they even give it a name? Like, what? Well, yeah, and so the reason I know it's called Higher... I, I found out that it's called Higher Baby, that it is credited to DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Friends, and that it was connected somehow to Coca-Cola. Anyway... One of the things I love about this song is that it totally is Will Smith, Smith trying to create his new persona because between this and Boom Shake the Room, he was trying to put on that gruff, hardcore voice. Please, Hammer, don't hurt him. Yeah, yeah. and the way that Hammer did with Hop like, and Like, step to me, like, I... Mm, and it's like... Like, no, I'm not going to do that. You're a, you're a big gentleman and... What was really nice really is mad. that then later when he did getting jiggy with it, Will Smith just stopped trying to be hard, and I really appreciated that. And he really has an ear for, like, a sample or a beat that I'm just going to be like, yeah. you're just going to be using your glutes and your front seat, like, getting jiggy with it. I still think that's a great break, too. Like, it classic. isn't. Classic. But it's a classic. I love that song. But, yeah. I, so anyway, but you know what? Like, Will, you're trying on a new persona. It doesn't quite work. I don't care. Because I also think that the 92 Olympics, at least in this country, were all about the dream team. I mean, I yeah. remember that. I didn't know anything about basketball, but there was some sexy photo shoot of Christian Leitner to bring him back up again that I, at you know, at the tender age of 13, beginning to feel many feelings, was really taken with. And it just seems right that the song that we are talking about today <clears throat> is the song about the dominant force that was American basketball, Barcelona 92. And I'm going to tell you something. This is a hot song. I would absolutely work out to this song. I would absolutely listen to a uh, listen to this song on a basketball court. And maybe it's not the most brilliant song, but like you said, a hot break is a hot break. A good beat is a good beat. And so the German judges give this what four points? <gasps> I tied judge also came in at four points. What? Whoa! So it looks like it's a silver, the Nancy Kerrigan slot for mm -hmm. DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Well, you know, someone's got to stand. Uh, someone's got to stand there. So next up is the '96 Olympics, which I think um, people may only still remember for the one tragic event. But here's another tragic event that happened. Spoiler as to how I'm voting for this one. Here's a clip from Gloria Estefan's "Reach Around." I mean. Please. 
Estefan, don't get me wrong. This is by a lot the worst song she's ever done. Um, do not call your song Reach when you can't reach some of the high notes in it. Some. Don't use those takes. I have no memory of this song and I was happier that way. In the same way that Whitney Houston's um, One Moment in Time was like the um, perfect embodiment of this kind of song, what it's trying to do, this is the by numbers odd verse of that. Yes, the dark shadow. Um, the video, even the video is dated like for the time. It was like that black and white, super saturated Chris Isaac thing that she was trying to do. I didn't recognize any actual athletes in there. I think they were all actors. It's her and a bunch of seagulls. Like... She looks great, she sounds like shit, and it's totally boring. German judge? Uh, yes, so I also love Gloria Estefan in many circumstances. I loved, I had a great, really great time at her Broadway musical, On Your Feet, the story of Emilio and Gloria Estefan. I mean, that show was like much of Gloria Estefan's music, silly and, and not deep, but totally enjoyable. But mm. this song, which thankfully is not in the Gloria Estefan Jukebox musical, is terrible. It's, oh my gosh, she, like, every 15 seconds she gets a bum note. Yeah. And like, she can sing. Like, why would you do it's that? It's not live to tape. Like, why don't you just key it down? Yeah. Seriously. Because she wrote the Better song. Better yet, throw it out. She wrote the song herself. Like, don't oh, write a song in a key blow. that you can't hit. Why, so, girl? But I did want I did want to include this because I lived in Chattanooga, Tennessee, in '96, and so Atlanta is less than two hours away. And during the Summer Olympics of '96, I was actually on a tour of my future college, Emory University. Uh, I was on my, you know, senior summer high, right, school, like high school student visiting yeah. colleges. We went on a tour of Emory in Atlanta the day that the Olympic Park was bombed. And I will never forget it. Wow. And also, we could not tour the gym on our tour because the women's gymnastics team, which included Carrie Strug and Dominic Dawes and Dominic Mochianu and Shannon Miller, they were all in the gym. So mm. I have very strong memories of the Atlanta Olympics. And like I said, living so close, we actually heard Reach by Gloria Estefan in some sort of school assembly about the Olympics. So I very clearly have memories of this song, but in my mind, this song was better than it actually is. And also, I guess I sort of remember this song just because all of that stuff about being in Emory before I went to school there, but then, you know, all that stuff happened at the Olympic Park and whatever. But I don't think that my 
personal memories are enough to give this song a spot on the podium. And so I, the German judge, only give it two points. Oh, okay. Italian judge giving it one point. And that brings us to our final entry. Uh, Mark observed earlier that it may be this entrant's greatest lifetime achievement or career achievement that she named her cat Kitty Purry. Of course, we're talking about Katy Perry. I'm not totally sure I agree with Mark about that, but let's listen to a clip from Rise, the song from the 2016 Olympics, and see what we I think. I must stay conscious through the madness but I think we get the point. We get it. I, I mean, well, you start. To me, this is actually more like a Eurovision song entry than it is an Olympic theme. Yeah, or like an American Idol yeah. victory lap song. Yeah, yeah, kind of. And like, I don't really have, I have a lot of Katy Perry songs on my iPod. I like quite a few of them. And I actually don't dislike this song, but I've heard this song several times and it's like I can't remember it even as I'm hearing it. There's something about it where I just cannot retain anything about how this sounds. Like, it slides away from me as I'm listening to it. Well, and it takes a little bit... I think it gets the build a little bit wrong. Like, mm. I think it takes a little bit too long to get to, like, the meat of the story of the song. Mm -hmm. And in the video, Katy Perry is, like, this po post-apocalyptic dreadlocked athlete who is fighting with her own pink parachute. Yes. The mm. metaphor, I think, for people who have worked their entire lives to get to an Olympics and perform in a sport that nobody else cares about, the rest of the, you know, Olympiad. Like trampoline gymnastics. Right? Is apt. Also, I would make out with Carrie pa Carrie Patey. Katy Perry. Carrie Patey actually used to ride my bus. Mm -hmm. No, she was my other babysitter when Martha couldn't come. Um, <laughs> Katy Perry, she looks very well. Um, I like... I don't think Katy Perry is the most, like, sincere. I don't know. She Like, usually her songs are built better than this. And yeah. I can't really speak to the differences between this and, like, Teenage Dream, which now makes me a little sad to listen to because, laughs, that, that wasn't your boy. But um, I, I don't know. Like, this is just a little disappointing. And can I just say on a nerdy poetry major note, the scansion in this shit is driving me bazoo. Chaos. Negotiate. Yeah. That's not how we talk. Rewrite it. It's the Olympics. Or give it to someone else. Come on. Katy Perry will drop an improper scansion on you because 
because she also has a song called Unconditionally that she says, and I will love you unconditional, unconditionally. Like she, she emphasizes the wrong syllable just to make it fit whatever she felt the song needed to be. Of course, these songs are co-written with Max Martin, who's a Swede, and he doesn't really have... He's ESL, or ETL, third language, I guess. I don't okay. know. But still, there's no excuse. It's the Olympics. And I also yeah. think this song is filled with images of vultures circling, and it's very dark. Yeah. And I feel like that's not what I want in an Olympic song. There I is definitely, if you... Uh, not that anyone is, because their audience was like 50,000 people a week, but if you watch The Leftovers, it really put me in mind of that mm. woman in the prehistoric flashbacks who was like carrying her baby, and then she died, and then someone came and found the baby, and it was just like, okay, well... Yeah, and like the Olympics are the two weeks every... every you know, like, we we all know what happened with Oscar Pistorius. Do we have to dwell? Yeah, let's just like... It's a little weird. Just for two weeks, let's just celebrate the people who are like working hard and succeeding, and let's make happy songs of uplift, and let's make our power ballads, you know, not about vultures circling our corpses. Yeah, like... Well, and I will yeah, say, I if Philip Phillips's song, Home, had not been disqualified for doping... <laughs> Because it was the song that was a, a related to the 2012 London Olympics that was a big hit and was actually the last hit song from a new American Idol. Like he oh, was yeah. the last newly crowned American Idol to have a hit. Was Philip Phillips? I always with Home. forget that he was an American Idol. Yeah, exactly. Because he's mostly just connected with that Olympics and that song, Home. That would have actually been on the podium for me. But like I said, doping scandals. So sorry, Philip Phillips. So because of that, the German judge must begrudgingly hand three points to rise, but when take solace in the fact that a bronze medal, you know, it's, it's a bronze. Yeah, exactly. no, <laughs> no one remembers that, um, unless it's Tanya Harding. Just kidding. Ooh. So um, our final medal standings are... Drum roll, drum roll, drum roll. Yes, uh, with the bronze medal, Katy Perry's rise, with the silver medal, which I think is very creditable, Dream Team USA slash Higher Baby. Um, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the French Prince, French Prince, <laughs> Fresh Prince will have to cram onto the podium together and our gold medalist, this was really never in doubt, at least for me. No. The late, great Whitney Houston, one moment in time. Mm, and with that, we wish you all a wonderful Bob Costas inflected Olympic season. Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is created by Mark Blankenship and Sarah D. Bunting and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. To request a song or sound off about a tune yeah. we've already discussed, you can tweet us at TalkSongs, email us at TalkAboutSongs at gmail.com, or find and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Mastas.podcast. And if you'd like to buy an ad or special message for a listening loved one, we welcome you. Just email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail for all the details. Also, subscribing or leaving a glowing review on iTunes or the podcast service of your choosing helps us grow and it makes us feel great. Until next week, I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. And, and this, this is, is Mark, Mark and Sarah, Sarah Talk, talk About, about Songs. Good enough, sister! Quero estar com seu cantar, com seu just la 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 la. Talk about songs.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.